Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Alex McFarland. Make a difference for the gospel. Could your life count for a move of God in our times? Hi, Alex McFarland here. You're watching a very special edition of Truth and Liberty. We've got a wonderful guest that you'll meet in a moment. But as we begin the show, and as you meet someone that God is using in a mighty, mighty way, I want you to ask yourself this question Could God use me? to spread the gospel? Am I being used and am I fulfilling my God-ordained purpose? Because one of the most famous verses in the Old Testament is Esther 4.14. When Mordecai was trying to get Esther, probably his niece, Esther was, to really get out of the comfort zone and as daunting as it might appear to take a stand for what was right and true. And Mordecai said to Esther, who knows? whether you've come to the kingdom for just such a time as this. And so you, my friend, first of all, if you're not a believer, our message to you tonight is that you would trust Christ and be born again. And as we always say, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. But as a Christian, understand that more hangs on your obedience than you could possibly imagine. You can be used by God. And all of us today that know the Lord, we must, we must present ourselves to be used by the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, somebody that uh, is being used, I think, to maximum capacity is Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. When Richard Harris and I were in Washington back in September, we heard a lot of great speakers. We had the privilege of speaking at Pray, Vote, Stand as well. But I heard speak uh, at that event, Pastor Jack Hibbs, and I heard an anointed man of God, and I thought to myself right then and there, I want him at the soonest possible moment to be on Truth and Liberty, and he's with us now. Pastor, you've got an amazing story. I want to say, and I speak on behalf of uh, all of our staff here at Truth and Liberty, we look up to you and your courage, your obedience, your example for the Lord Jesus Christ inspires all of us. And I, I just want to thank you for making time to be with us tonight and share all about what God is doing in your life and your ministry. But welcome. Pastor Jack Hibbs to Truth and Liberty. Well, Alex, I want to thank you for the generous, uh, kind words and to also uh, just share that um, I, I'm appreciative that you'd open up the door for us to be able to, to be with you for this time. And that was a great event, Pray, Vote, Stand. And uh, it's our hope, right, that God moves in America once again. Well, amen. Amen. And, you know, before we came on, and by the way, folks, if you have a question in a few moments, we will get to questions. Maybe you want to ask Pastor Hibbs uh, a, a Bible question or a question about jumpstarting your church. The number is going to be 719-619-2341. But uh, Pastor, first of all, let me ask you this. How did the Lord bring you to where you are in your journey? How did you come to know the Lord, get into the ministry? that you're in and this particular moment of your life and service. Uh, cue it up, would you? 
<laughs> I'm laughing, Alex, because I, I would love to be able to give you a systematic uh, answer that it was scheduled this in such a way and we had a check box, you know, that we would advance our life upon. Nope, none of that, to be honest with you. My background, uh, first of all, was a non-Christian, non-religious background growing up. No Jesus, no Bible in our home in Orange County, California. Born in San Diego, but we moved up to Orange County. Uh, but at that same time, uh, there was a, a guy who uh, was starting to do Bible studies uh, at a church. Uh, and that man was Chuck Smith. But the connection was none, zip, at that time for me. But um, at the age of 19, uh, Chuck Smith had raised up a young man by the name of Greg Laurie, Amen. who probably many of your viewers know. And in fact, who put out the the film, The uh, Jesus Revolution. But yeah. yeah, I grew up under Chuck Smith. And um, just at the again, at the age of 19, I heard the gospel for the first time in my life. Uh, by God's grace, had a chance to respond in that moment. And uh, just a transformative power of the Holy Spirit in the moment. Uh, I didn't have goosebumps. In fact, Alex, everybody that went forward that night... I went forward that night. I looked around, people were crying and I wasn't crying. Uh, you know, I wasn't feeling anything except sheer terror, Alex. I was convicted to the point where I was sick to my stomach over my sins. I was terrified and yet was relieved of my sins that night in Christ Jesus. And from that time on, just studying the Bible at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa under Chuck Smith. Uh, and then fast forward in 19, uh, 90, Chuck Smith had told my wife and I, you guys need to start a home Bible study out in Chino Hills where you live because it's too far of a drive. This is killing you guys. And so we started a home Bible study from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. There were six of us. And um, it was on a Monday night and it just, it eventually grew into almost a 150 people on a Monday night and they wanted to have a church and that was not my plan. Alex, because my background was in biomedical engineering. I was working at a company on Newport Beach, California, had a great career going and loved the Lord, yeah. but had no plans for the pulpit, none whatsoever, but God had a different plan. Amen, amen. You know, that is so inspiring. And uh, I wanna hear about all that you're doing these days and especially during the, the pandemic and to the present moment. But for just a moment, for the benefit of the viewers, let's camp out on this idea that we have our plans, but the Lord has his master plan. And that might sound a little frightening. In, in the case of my wife and myself, it's been a great adventure. Look, I'm not saying it's always easy. Sometimes really obeying Jesus can wring out of you every bit of strength and energy you've got. But Pastor Jack, isn't it an, a grand adventure to be following and Jesus is leading and it's bearing fruit? It is life's greatest adventure, isn't it? it, it Alex, it absolutely is. I'm so glad you said that. I think somebody, only with somebody that has a, a pastoral <laughs> heart like you could say it that way. You're 100% correct. In fact, what I don't want to have happen now is what I want to have happen. I want to just be following him. And, and at this church and everything that's going on with Real Life Network and all this stuff is, we're just trying to keep up with Jesus. And you are so <laughs> right. People are trying to find happiness, right, and meaning. And here you and I are telling people, 
Paul, the greatest way to find happiness and meaning is to surrender to the will of God and get away from yourself and get get with Jesus and watch what happens. And you know, you mentioned Esther 4. And yeah. as soon as you mentioned Esther 4, I immediately thought of Daniel 11:32 that tells us that those who know their God shall carry out great exploits. That's yes. the key. Know the Lord. Pastor, do you know that verse, Daniel 11:32? I've shared that verse so many times. Uh, and the, the old King James says, those, the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. And yes. I tell youth, um, I want you to comment on this because we did seven youth camps last summer and a 15-year-old boy came up to me and he said, you know, I'd like to be a Christian, but I'm afraid that um, it might be boring. <laughs> and and I, I had to laugh. How, how would you respond to something like that? Yeah, um, I often say in teaching that if your Christianity is boring, you're doing it wrong. And truly, if people would only imagine this, Alex, if if people would just take God at his word, actually pick it up and read it and say, you know what, I'm going to go do this. If you step out, you say, well, Jack, what if I what if I do it wrong? There's a lot of grace for that. Follow yeah. the Lord. And if you fall down, get back up, but take him at his word. If you know somebody who's sick, go pray for them. If, if you know somebody that's hungry, go feed them. And when you make yourself available, he will open up doors. So Alex, I've been a Christian since 1977. And I'm just, I'm, my biggest concern now is, is missing out on what God wants to do next. Because Amen. every day with Christ is thrilling. I wouldn't have it any other way. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I want to talk about real life and how people can watch you on television, hear you on the radio. Uh, first of all, what are the websites or where can people, where can people follow you, Pastor Jack? Yeah, the easiest way to be connected with all of the various ministries that have come out of what God is doing here is simply jackhibbs.com. You know, we fumbled around a lot with all kinds of websites and stuff, and it just works better if they just go to jackhibbs.com. And from there, they can go to the church or they can go to the radio, they can go to the podcast ministries, or they could go to the uh, television and streaming ministries. It's all there, jackhibbs.com. Thank you. For that. Well, well, amen. And, and I want to give that out again. And folks, if you're just tuning in, the number, we'll get to questions in a little while, but it's 719-619-2341. Before we um, leave the subject of the Jesus, the Jesus Revolution film, amazing film. Folks, if you haven't seen it, just drop everything and watch that movie. Uh, Pastor, I, I saw it on the East Coast the, the day it premiered. Uh, we here in Woodland Park, we urged all of the students at Karis Bible College to see it, and the theater was packed. Um, many of the people that were old enough to remember that, there were times they wept. Uh, they were just so moved. That was a legitimate move of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I, I guess I'd love for just some of your remembrances about it. But the question is, obviously, could that happen again? Could a Jesus movement happen in the Western world again? Well, okay, first of all, uh, the move of God was uh, tangible. I know that sounds crazy, right? Alex, I'm telling you that if you didn't get to church in the 70s, an hour before service, uh, you're not going to make it in. Yeah. Uh, the, listen, all, all the seats were filled. 
the floors then began to be filled from the from the pulpit to the back end of the church. And it wasn't just there at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. Greg Laurie was giving the messages on Monday nights, but there was so much happening that a lot of people don't realize Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, Saturday nights, and then Sunday mornings. So at that time, imagine this, at that time, at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, there was an estimated 25 to 28,000 people every seven days going through that church. But what resulted in that was a massive explosion of small groups, home groups throughout the Orange County, LA, Riverside, San Bernardino, Santa Barbara County, that churches began to be uh, planted by hippies, frankly, that like Greg Laurie or Raul Reese, who was in a gang, where these guys got saved, Mike McIntosh, these guys got saved and they began teaching the Bible and it was not normal. It was not normal. It's so reminiscent of Acts chapter two and three because these men who knew nothing began to speak the word of God with boldness and miracles were taking place. People's lives were being restored and those who truly sat in darkness, they saw the great light. And, And then secondly, yes, absolutely. Alex, I'm telling you right now, if I didn't have the thrill and the excitement of it happening again, um, I don't know no quite, uh, I don't know what I would be doing because we're starting to see that again. During COVID, uh-huh. God spoke to my heart clearly and said, the church has got to be open. The church Amen. is not, it's not a business. It's not uh, like Newsom says, our governor, it's not essential or non-essential. The church is transcendent. And so the Lord spoke to my heart so clearly Uh, that, behold, I've set before you an open door that no man can shut. And so I told our staff, you don't have to come to work, but we're we're going for it. And every staff member showed up. The church was packed. Long, very long story short, Alex, in three weekends, in three weekends, we baptized 3,011 people in three weekends. Oh, my word. That's that's COVID. And we've, it's not, it's, listen, we, we haven't looked back since. It's gone crazy. And the birth of the Real Life Network came out of that because we were getting canceled. Right, uh, right. Social media, we were getting hammered. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, well, were there not only legal repercussions for your obedience to Christ, but did any of your fellow ministers and, and Christians out there say, oh, pastor, you're jeopardizing the lives of people. You got to, you know, be compliant and shut down. I mean, what was the pressure like during those times? Uh, well, sorry to say this, but you asked an honest question. I'm going to give you an honest answer. The number one assault on us being open was by the governor's office, mm-hmm. uh, but that was not as loud. His office was not as loud as pastors in California. Yeah. Uh, that's where we were maligned, mocked, ridiculed. So we, I was the pastor who was killing people. Um, yeah. Even the New York Times called up and said, what are you gonna do a year from now when you're gonna be known as the pastor who murdered his flock? But I had a lot of a lot of pastors in California echoed that yeah. sentiment. And and the good thing, Alex, was I heard the Lord speak to my heart. I've set before you an open door. 
that no man can shut. So for me, I just kept quiet about that and and just obeyed the Lord's command. I didn't respond to these guys. I did go I did go on and post the media invitation to all the pastors in California. Let's make sure that on Pentecost Sunday, uh, 2020, all of our doors are open and that we give people the hope of heaven. And we're happy to report that over 1,200 churches in California opened up on that day. And uh, it's been a great, great move of the Holy Spirit. But all of those churches would also report huge growth, a huge amount of baptisms. Uh -huh. So a lot of people don't realize, and they're, but I think they're going to find out soon. Something's happening in California again. Media is not reporting it. The news is not talking about it. CNN's not on it. It's, you're not hearing about it, but we're watching it happen. And we're very excited. And wouldn't it be great for God to glorify his name out of California again, a place that people have written off as crazy? Well, in the 60s and 70s, it was written off as crazy, and God did a great work. So we're looking, we're looking at another one right now. Are there, are there things that individuals can do to be... Um, catalyst for revival, an, an awakening. Uh, I, I know because I, I travel and pastor everywhere I go, people are gravely concerned. People mm -hmm. are, we've never seen transgenderism and the, mm -hmm. the enforcement of speech that uh, you could, in certain states, you could face uh, litigation if you say that a man is a man and a man is not a woman. And so I think the light bulb is coming on and people are realizing that we are in a crisis of truth. The soul of the nation hangs in the balance. But he here's the thing, what can individuals do to uh, position ourselves to see revival and a move of God? Alex, great question. I don't want to make this sound trite or 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 something that Christians are supposed to say. I mean this with all of my heart. In Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah presents himself to the Lord after uh, what, what most scholars believe is an idol that's removed from his life. King uh, Uzziah dies, and then Isaiah says, then I saw the Lord. And his next response was he presented himself to God. Here I am, send me. I mean this, Alex, if Christians would actually say, God, I believe you're God, I believe your word is true, and I believe that I'm actually coherent at this moment, enough yeah. to say the world is nuts, and it's hurting, and people are killing themselves, because they have no hope. Lord, how do you want to use me? And you go, you, listen, for all those of you who are watching, you might say, well, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a pastor. You know what? That's okay. You don't have to be. Go present yourself to your local ministry maybe your elders or your home group leader, or maybe your pastor and say, I want to be used by God. Present yourself usable and see what God will do. And I would expect him. I really would expect him to do something awesome in your life. And I, I mean, who can, I cannot make any promises. I'm not God. He's the promise keeper. Amen. But I have never seen him, Alex, nor have you. Whenever we've made ourselves available to him, I've never not seeing him take advantage of that opportunity. He's waiting for people yes. to say, I can use you right now. The laborers are needed. 
Amen. That's true. And God will use you. Uh, folks, I want to say that God will use you. Let me give this number, folks, because there are people listening, perhaps, and maybe you're, you've been a Christian for many years. Maybe you've been a believer for decades. And deep in the, the, the core of your heart, you know there are areas of your life that you need to really put in the hands of Jesus and, and live and serve Jesus. Nothing held back. If, you're, if you just need somebody to pray with, and just maybe tonight make a fresh start in your commitment to Christ. Here's the number, 719-635-1111. Maybe if you're not sure that you're really saved, you say, I've, I've got to know that I'm born again. 719-635-1111. Look, no strings attached. We're not trying to sell you anything. We just want to help and encourage you from God's Word. There are people that will agree with you in prayer. And tonight, how about we make this night as we speak with Pastor Jack Hibbs, a night for full commitment, full obedience to say, Lord, I will hand my future to you and however you fill in the details, I will enthusiastically follow. Pastor, Pastor Jack, I, I love the stories of Great Awakenings, and I do, because look, my, my family down in the Bible Belt, you talk about the churches being full, I remember that. Now, I was just a kid as we were talking. I've got a sister five years older than me, but even 3,000 miles from Southern California down in the Carolinas, and I remember this was the mid-70s, there would be so many teenagers on Sunday morning that, that you better get there early or you wouldn't get a seat. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but only God can do that. But the same Holy Spirit that swept across America 1968 to 19. 80, that Holy Spirit, I believe, not only can do it again, I think, Pastor Jack, God longs to do this again. Don't you really? Absolutely. And I share that passion with you about the Great Awakenings. I read, I study those moments. Uh, uh, even the birthing of this nation was born, really, if you think about it, out of a church revived in the founding of this nation led about to a great awakening among the lost. God wants to save the lost. How does he do that? I guess he could write it in the sky, but he's not going to do that. He has chosen to use people just like us, just common people who know that his grace is truly amazing and that if he wouldn't have saved Jack and Alex, we'd probably be dead by now yeah. and we owe everything to him. And so, yes, he wants to move again. I think he always wants to move. I, I think, Alex, if God had it his way, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be talk about remember then, remember back then, oh, we hope about maybe the future. I think if we would pursue him, there wouldn't have to be some yearning for some time of the past because he's the God of the right now. Amen. What's he now, I, tell me where he's moving, and that's where I want to be. That's where we're going to go. And when I say moving, I, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about so much the troubling of the waters to see if the angel touches it with the wings. I'm interested in the Messiah, the one who will save me from my sins. I'm talking about people who, in a post-COVID world, and now, as you mentioned, this gender-insane world is none other than the working of Satan. Mm -hmm. Let's just call it for what it is. Amen. It, you know, we, we, we cloak it as wokeism. You know what it is? It's doctrines of demons and, and evil spirits propagating false teaching. Why? How do we know? Because it's attacking the young and it's attacking the nature of God. 
Humans are the only ones created in the image of God, and Satan hates that. And I yes. believe that he knows that we're in the last days, and he's trying to destroy a, to an entire generation, and he will destroy them unless we speak up. Like Isaiah, here we are, Lord, send us. Uh, Pastor Jack, I mean, you're touching on some vitally important truths, and, and folks, listen in, because even unchurched people are, are believing the world is at some inflection point, some crisis moment. Pastor, I was prepping this morning for an interview, and somebody threw a statistic at me that uh, I don't doubt one bit, but it, it did kind of take me by surprise, that even on university campuses, professed agnostics and atheists uh, don't believe in God, got nothing for the church, but even a number of atheists in academia say they believe the world is coming to an end. Yes, and, as well, yes. Yeah, and, and so we as believers, we know Christ is coming back, but when, when even a lost world thinks that we're just about at the end of time, I mean, that says something about the immeasurably unique moment in, in which we live, doesn't it? Well, absolutely. And what's remarkable, isn't it the grace of God, Alex, where, for example, Jesus says, watch for you to know when, uh, be diligent, uh, be searching, be waiting, be ready. All of these um, exhortations to be very, very vigilant about him coming, where you look around at the world and everybody that's watching this program right now has been reminded, like you just said, by an unbelieving friend that they're scared, they're nervous, they're anxious. They see what's going on and, and, and that we may be not only approaching a world war, but some say we are actually in a third world war already. Well, people are nervous. The stock market right now today, people are not spending because they're hanging on to their money because they're frightened. What's going on? Well, what's going on is that, frankly, it's it's we have a book coming out in February. It's it's called Living in the Days. Alex, listen, Days of Deception, D-A-Z-E, Living oh, wow. in the Days of Deception. So many people know something's wrong, but for a lot of people, they don't know exactly how to call it out. But that's where the Word of God comes in. The Bible calls hmm. it out at the same time, giving you the ultimate hope in Christ. Now, p people can pre-order this on Amazon, right? They can. They can go to Amazon.com and they can pre-order it, Living in the Days of Deception. Or you could just put in Jack Hibbs. They'll see it there. But mm -hmm. yep, yep, we're grateful. It's doing very well on Amazon right now. Wow. And, and when, does, uh, when does the book release? Yeah, February 6th is where it releases. And uh, God's got us going all over the nation at book signings uh, for this book. And it, it's really a book, Alex, that's not not relegated to the Christian only. This is a book that anybody could read, that, yeah. uh, that believer, that neighbor that you and I have. This is a book that's addressing uh, what's true in politics, what's true in education, what's true in culture, what's true in entertainment, what's true, what is not true. How can I tell the difference these days? Talk about deep fake and the things that are going on. We don't know if what you and I are watching is, is real at all. So yeah. what's going to, uh, you know, how are we going to make it through these days? Well, the only way we're going to make it is if we have truly the Holy Spirit's discerning and, and, and uh, discretion at work in our lives. And this book is going to help you understand that the Holy Spirit and our ability 
to discern the times in which we live in is all important to our survival. Amen. Amen. I love the title. Uh, and my dear brother, I've got to say that book title should win an award, D-A-Z-E. De- How did you come up with that title? Honestly, I got to tell you, I did a teaching series on this some time ago, and I just wrote down days of deception. And I wrote down days like you and I would normally think about days of the week. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, people are in a fog. People are like terrified. And it's like dead men walking. You know, people are like stunned. So I just changed it to D-A-Z-E. And then I, I preached that series and the fine people at Harvest House Publishing, they actually did what you just did a second ago. They actually contacted me and they said, are you willing to write a book? And I said, no, I'm not interested. And they said, well, can we buy the title from you? Because the title describes it all. Wow. And I said, really? And they said, are you sure you won't write a book on this? And I said, well, we'll pray about it. And we'll give it a shot. And God blessed it. It's nearly 300 pages. And we're pretty excited. But yeah, I mean, it kind of describes the age we're in. Well, it really does. It absolutely does. And uh, brother, how about the website of the church? Because look, folks, if you're in California, uh, you might need a church home or you know people that are going to be in that part of the country. Chino Hills, Calvary Chapel. What's the website for the church, Pastor? Yeah, I have no idea. But if Uh, you Google Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, if you just Googled that, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, um, somebody behind the scenes is trying to write it down feverishly right now. Yeah. Um, I never visit our website because I'm here. <laughs> yeah. It's it's Calvary, C-A-L-V-A-R-Y, like where Jesus was crucified. CalvaryCCH.org. Amen. <laughs> yeah. CalvaryCCH.org. Great website. Great website. Uh, folks, uh, we've got a break in just a second. The number, if you've got questions and if, if you maybe your church is plateaued or declining. And you, you want to pick the brain of Pastor Jack Hibbs, somebody God is using, amazing pastor, amazing Christian leader, influencing so many people. The number is 719-619-2341. We've got a brief break. We'll come back and get to your questions and more with our special guest, Pastor Jack Hibbs. Don't go away. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey everybody, Richard Harris here. I wanted to let you know that the Truth and Liberty live call-in show is now on Twitter. You can watch us there at 3.30 Mountain Time, 5.30 Eastern Time, five days a week. Just go and follow us on Twitter at Truth and Liberty Co. That's C-O. And remember, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So don't miss out. Watch us live on Twitter. 
Welcome back to the program, Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland here. By the way, you know, the website truthandliberty.net has a lot of really good content. There are editorials that Richard Harris writes, uh, attorney, pastor Richard Harris. I write a lot of articles and things like that. There's a lot of information. And I want to ask a favor of you folks. If you would bookmark it, share it with your friends, truthandliberty.net. If you go to truthandliberty.net slash subscribe, we'll send you emails, all of the press releases and editorials. Uh, look, I give God the glory. I've been asked, I, I've got an editorial on foxnews.com that came out a couple of days ago about Christmas. They contacted me and they asked me to write something about Christmas. And then a lot of websites that's publishing the content that we create. So Truth and Liberty, we just want you to feel encouraged, equipped, because God wants you to be used to make a difference for the gospel in these days. And you can be used and any way that we can help and encourage you, we give God the glory for that opportunity. Well, somebody who is a great encouragement to me, I just wish there were five million pastors cut from the same cloth as Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California. Uh, brother, when, when I heard you speak in Washington at Pray, Vote, Stand, and just what you as a pastor did during COVID, courageous, obedient, uh, God had your back. Um, I just want to say thank you for being the role model that, that all pastors should be. So, Pastor Jack, I commend you. Alex, you're being generous because for me it was a sheer um, act of obedience. It was a white-knuckle type of experience because I knew what I had to do. And uh, it was just God's grace of being laser-focused on the fact that it wasn't going to go down well. Uh, in the eyes of the world, but God proved otherwise. So it, it was just a beautiful injection also about the sanctity of the church, how much he loves his church and the light of the church in a dark world. The church is needed now, Alex, more than ever. Just look around. Amen. Amen. Oh, let me ask you this, and then we will go to calls. For the average Christian, and, and I, I know we've corresponded with hundreds, probably thousands of people. I love the church. I love the body of believers. But people ask me, you know, my, my professor is an atheist. Uh, I'm afraid to witness to them. You know, my, my city doesn't allow the posting of the Ten Commandments. Uh, what could I ever do? You know, where does courage come from? pastor, for the Christian who in their heart, they want to do those Daniel 1132 exploits, but they're afraid and they don't, mm -hmm. they don't quite know what their next move is. For the born again believer, where does courage come from? That's a great question. I'm going to kind of plagiarize a, a response that a United States Army general gave locally here, speaking to the LA County Sheriff's Department. He was to speak to them that day on courage. And I was there with him. And he made the comment, some people think that people are born with courage and that is exactly not true. Courage, he said, is a fear under management, fear under control. So you think about David going after Goliath. What was he focused on, Goliath? Or was he focused on the fact, listen, that over the course of time, David had learned that by killing a lion and by killing a bear, that his next step, God had opened up this door 
and that with, with some trepidation, probably, he obeyed God and ran toward Goliath. So the same thing is true in our lives is courage, I don't think you're born with it. I don't think it's a natural trait. I think courage comes from having your sword dipped into the battle. And when you come out fighting, listen, on the Lord's side, I don't want God on my side, I wanna be on his side. So that when I engage in what he knows or has revealed to me in the word of God, it's not a debate, Alex, if I should get involved in this pro-life issue, for example. Well, should I get involved or not? The answer is yes. Frankly, you don't have to pray about getting involved in the pro-life effort. Get involved, and God will show you where you're supposed to be. Well, what's that going to do for me? You're going to have courage deposited in your spiritual bones. You're going you're gonna to see a victory in whatever way that comes. And then he's going to move you to the next battlefield, to the next battlefield. That's why Paul made it so clear. I've kept the faith. I finished the race that was set before me. He's talking about a soldier that has been faithful to the end. His armor was dented. It was dirty. It was soiled. There might be blood on it, but he was still standing and he finished. And mm -hmm. that's how we want to fight our Christian fight is that Lord, I don't have courage. Gideon didn't have any courage. God used these men and women. And when he uses people and you come out victorious because the Lord wrought the victory for you, you're looking, Alex, listen, and I know you're cut from the same fiber. If you and I are not engaged in some cultural shaking thing, we get a little nervous. It's like, Lord, I know something's going on. Why aren't you using me? Because he wants to do great things. And I just, I would hate to be bypassed or overlooked if God wants to move, you know? Amen, amen. Listen, folks, like we said from Esther 4.14, you have been put in the kingdom for such a time as this. Don't miss your purpose. And folks, your purpose as a believer is to be used by God to do things that count for eternity. Pastor, we're going to go to the first call, Amber in West Virginia, but Pastor, I love 1 Corinthians 15.58 that says your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I think that should be a, a shot of adrenaline in the of every believer, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be, in fact, we want to get caught, Alex, don't we? We want to get caught being busy about our Father's business. Yep. Amen. Amen. Uh, Amber in West Virginia, thanks for holding. Uh, Amber, you are the first caller on tonight's edition of Truth and Liberty with our guest, Pastor Jack Hibbs. Welcome, Amber. Thank you. My question is this. Um, I know Thanks to the Bible, it clearly states that there's going to be a truce for Israel. So Israel's definitely going to survive. But Ezekiel 38 has to be fulfilled that Israel's going to be attacked at all fronts. Mm -hmm. And it clearly it is under fire right now. And the UN has already tried to vote with Article 99, trying to take her down. And another vote was passed tried today that they would come against her again and to take her down to stop her from stopping Gaza from attacking them. Do you think mm -hmm. it's the prophecy of Ezekiel 38 trying to take into play or not? And should we continue as Christians to keep watching these events pass by or do what I keep being told is just pray and just not watch the news anymore? <laughs> is your on this? 
Wow, great questions, Pastor Jack. Israel, uh, my goodness, uh, <laughs> so much we would say. All right, cue it up if you would. What, what's your take yeah. on Israel, Ezekiel 38, and all that we're seeing in the news these days, brother? Yeah, Amber, first of all, you are the type of person that every pastor wants in their church. Uh -huh. You've got the Bible open. You're discerning the times and the seasons like the sons of Ishakar. They were commended by God because they looked around and they discerned what Israel should do next. You're like that. And uh, you're like a Berean. And you and, uh, and thank God for this. So watch. Here's, here's where we're at. We've got basically right now, you're talking about eschatology. That's the study of the prophetic word of God. And you're talking about the book of Ezekiel. Good for you. You're spot on. But what is going on exactly? We have right now two prevailing views of biblical thought. I'm not going to mess around with all of the crazy things that are out there. Two, number one, is this the setup of the actual Ezekiel battle? Well, if it is, we need a few more players to get involved. And it doesn't mean they're not going to. But we need all of those that are listed in Ezekiel 38. Those nations are specifically named in the book of Ezekiel. So are we looking at the stage being set, number one, because the scene is going to open up and it is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38? Maybe. Number two is, what if it is possibly scene number two, which states this? And Amber, you know Ezekiel 36 and 37 and 38. It tells you there that while Israel is dwelling safely in her land, then she will be invaded by the nations that are listed. So stop right there. Right now, Israel does not feel safe. Could it be that either this battle escalates into the Ezekiel battle and her feeling safe is something that has already been unfolded on our news in, since October 7th, or... Is Israel going to come out of this most recent war victorious and she settles, as it were, on her laurels and takes a break and takes this rest and then they pounce on her again for the final time? I don't know which one it is, but I know this, Amber. It says in Ezekiel that once God does this Ezekiel battle uh, with, with Israel's enemies, by the way, all of them except Gog and Magog, all of them are Muslim in their belief system, aren't they? Yeah. What's, interesting, what's interesting about it is that then the veil will be lifted from the Jews' eyes. It says it there that they will begin to believe that he is the Lord. So what does this mean to me personally? It means to me that no matter if it's phase one, phase two, we must be so close to what I believe is the rapture of the church because then, then, the eyes of the Jews will begin to be opened post Ezekiel 38 battle. So that's why a lot of great scholars put Ezekiel 38 right up front at the beginning opening moments of what might be the great tribulation period. It might be what starts uh, the need for a seven year peace treaty after Ezekiel 38. Regardless, Amber, we're really close to seeing Jesus and you're pretty astute in your Bible uh, knowledge. So God bless you. God bless you, Amber. What a great question. And Pastor, I've got to tell you, that may be the most uh, comprehensive yet succinct answer I've heard in the last 61 days about <laughs> Ezekiel 38. You know what's really ironic? I, uh, seriously, on Friday, October 6th, I was in the studio responding to emails, filming 
a couple of little short YouTube videos about Ezekiel 38. And I, and I coupled it with Psalm 83. Now, folks, yes. let me encourage you. Ezekiel 38, flip those numbers over, read also Psalm 83, because it does say, and Pastor, I agree 1,000% everything you said, but in the last days, uh, the nations of the Arabian Peninsula are going to attack Israel. And, you know, Friday afternoon, October 6th, I'm recording this. I got up about 5.30 a.m. on Saturday morning, October 7th. And I was, you know, having devotions and also then turned on the news. And my goodness, Israel is under attack. And I thought, we are near the return of Jesus. We, we really are. And folks, maybe you've got another question along those lines, the number 719-619-2341. But um, Pastor, l- let, me, let me throw some subjects out like prophecy, end times, miracles, homosexuality, transgenderism, uh, just moral issues, the church and political involvement. Um, the subject of hell. Mm-hmm. Guess what those topics have in common? Uh, the majority of pulpits never preach on these subjects. Wow. That's probably true, isn't it? You know what, Alex? Because that's probably true, that would describe why the church is so anemic and vacant from the culture uh, because. Without those topics, there's no sense of urgency. Think about it. Just just the issue of, of uh, just pick the transgender issue. If you love someone, you've got to get the gospel to them. You've got to engage them for the gospel's sake. You say, Jeff, what would you, shouldn't you just pat them on the back? No, Satan's out to kill them. We need to wake up and rescue them with love and truth. And so, yeah, Alex, you're so right. If we are not speaking about eschatology, which great scholars such as Dr. John Wolverd from uh-huh. Dallas Theological Seminary, who now is in heaven, yeah. but, he, you know, he he said, you know, we're somewhere between 27 to 30 percent of the Bible is eschatological or prophetic. Yeah. 27 percent at the low call? That's more than a quarter of your Bible is of a prophetic nature. The Book of Mormon's not like that. The Quran is not like that. Right, right. The writings of the Hinduism or Buddhism is not like that. Only the Bible is not only prophetic, it's flawless in its prophecies thus fulfilled, which means what remains will be fulfilled just as tangible as the previous ones. Look, we're coming up on the holiday season and Christmas season. Listen, Jesus, it's, Jesus is not about Christmas trees and snowballs. It's about Bible prophecy being fulfilled. It's, every Christian should be shouting the hope of Christmas as a prophetic event being fulfilled. Pastor, the, the church in America, I mean, uh, the Barna Research Group, George Barna, I mean, there are something like 345,000 churches, half a million ordained ministers, 80 to 100, maybe 120 million born-again adults. Only God knows. But here's the thing. With all that large of a footprint of Christianity, how is our nation so sin-sick? I've got a follow-up question, but isn't it ironic that we have such a rich Christian history, so many Christians here at this present moment, and I mean, it looks like 
Satan is the one getting the points on the scoreboard. What's going on? Alex, he is scoring more points than we are right now. For example, let's throw this into the topic that you mentioned earlier in that list. The dependency upon the Holy Spirit. Where's Amen. that at? Preach Listen, it. If we are preaching sermons that we've we got from like, you know, pastor.com, you know, download your sermon Saturday night and preach it on Sunday, no wonder why the church is dying. Yeah. I think if we get back to what you and I have studied regarding our Puritan our, our, our uh, Puritan fathers and the founding fathers and pilgrim fathers and those of the Great Awakening, they got their sermons being alone with God. Yeah. Uh, and then they checked. They checked commentaries to see if their theology was correct. But they got the manna from God, and then they went and preached it. Because they had received it, they were on fire with it. Amen. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of preaching that's killing people these days. It's putting people to sleep, or they're getting the vaccine of religion, and so they think they're okay. Um, I think the church... Uh, those numbers that you read a moment ago, yeah. if 12 spirit-filled guys can change the world, then what is a million people or a hundred million people? If we're spirit-filled, I'm sorry, if we're spirit-filled, I mean, I'm spirit-filled. How do I know? Because I'm constantly in trouble with God. He's constantly <laughs> grabbing me by the ear and pulling me to the next thing that he's interested in. Yeah. It's almost as though, I mean, I'm willingly yielded to him, but it's like I have no say. God, just let's do this. And if we have a hundred million people saying, Lord, whatever you want, let's do it. America Amen. would turn around in one day. America would turn around. The Holy Spirit would come down from heaven and change things like this. He would shut the mouths of the wicked. And instantly there would be wind blowing, as it were, the, the dust and the days out of the minds of people. And they would say, wait a minute, this is truth. And it could be like in the, it was in the days of Jonathan Edwards, who people heard the conviction from the Spirit of God and they couldn't even hear his sermon. They were going down the street on horseback and fell off yeah. and got to their knees and prayed and they didn't even hear the sermon. God can do it again. I'm waiting for him to do that again. Amen. Hold that thought. We, we've got a call. This is Karen in Washington. Karen, thanks for holding. And uh, you're our next caller on Truth and Liberty. Welcome, Karen. Karen. Hi, Karen. Thanks for holding. You're on with our guest, Pastor Jack Hibbs. All right. Oh, oh, hi there. Um, I am a former public health nurse, and did you know that the gay community is now not necessarily being encouraged, but they are indeed being allowed to contribute their share of blood supply to the Red Cross, uh, blood donation in hospitals or blood drives or wherever have you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people carry more than HIV and a lot of them still have many, many partners. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that you can't just necessarily go and give blood and be have these various uh, uh, dynamics of um, mm -hmm. HIV or hepatitis B and C screened out in one day. Sometimes that takes time to develop down the pike, and it may not be screened out at the time the person, I guess well-intended gay person, is giving 
their fair supply to the bud uh, industry like they say they have a right to. This has been going on for at least six months now or longer, and I don't think the general population is indeed aware of it. All right, thank you, Karen. In the interest of time, I want to get Pastor Hibbs' take on this. Uh, you know, LGBTQ trans people giving blood, isn't this something, Pastor Hibbs, that the advancement of an ideology and a narrative takes precedence over the safety of people? Yeah. Uh, would you, what's your response to this culture? Yeah, Alex, you're 100% right. And so is Karen, by the way. And again, uh, my background is in bio, biomedical engineering. I worked in an in a actual sensor development lab where we, uh, frankly, worked with uh, red blood cells every day. And there was a reason why, by the way, none of the cells that we could do experimentations on could be HIV positive because they don't act right. There's a there's a, there's a, a capacity by which the human blood cell is compromised uh, by HIV. It is a fact. It is a scientific fact. It's not my opinion. And so, having said that, Karen, you are so correct. Where in a normal world, for example, if you I remember the days if you were heavily tattooed. Watch this. In the 70s and 80s, if you were heavily tattooed, your blood would not be accepted at the Red Cross or for donation because of the possibility of hepatitis C from tattoo. Right. And now that's gone. And you are right about HIV. Uh, it's now gone. And so what we're, we're breaking away from all moorings of truth, be it theological, be it scientific, uh, be it the observable universe in which we live in. I believe our God, that is the author of the Bible, is also the author of actual science. Amen. It's the, it's the same author and it's the same message. And the fact is all of what is true is under attack, but we don't have to fall for their lies. Romans chapter one, verse eight, excuse me, Romans chapter one tells us down around verse 20 that regarding men being with men, it says that they receive within themselves the due recompense of their conduct. It's a remarkable mm -hmm. statement in the King James Bible. Yeah, And being is. with themselves, scientifically, male protein uh, with male protein is a horrific prescription for death. It will shorten your life. It will destroy your immune system. And God's Bible mentions this 2,000 years ago in Romans chapter 1. Mm. Wow, Karen, thank you for that great call. You know, I wish I had so much more time with you and we'll have to visit again. But I, I, th there are two questions that I wanna ask you and I know you'll probably only have time for one. Um, is Satan real? And can the church rediscover the power of the Holy Spirit? Uh, I know it, it, with three minutes, it's not even fair to ask these, but I want you to impress on people the reality of the supernatural, both the work of Satan, the power mm -hmm. of God, the supernatural, we've got to acknowledge its reality, don't we? Listen, big questions. I can answer those this fast. The okay. answer is, yeah, the answer is yes and yes. Satan is real. Who said so? Jesus said so. By the way, without an actual Satan doing what he's doing in the world today, then it looks like we've got a bad God. Let's put blame where blame is due. Jesus came to give life and that eternally. He also told us in the same verse, Satan has come to rob, to kill us and destroy us. The second thing is this, the only way of stopping Satan's agenda is our knowledge of the word of God 
put into practice, and that can only be done by the person of the Holy Spirit in a yielded vessel. Read the Bible every day, then ask God, the Spirit, make this verse come alive in my life. Watch what happens. Amen. For those that just may be tuning in, Pastor Jack, I want you to give your book title, how they can pre-order the book, how they can follow you, radio, television, real life. Give us all of your online contact info and book info. So generous, Alex. Uh, the book is out by Harvest Publishers. Uh, it will, it's am available at Amazon.com right now, uh, BarnesandNobles.com as well. Uh, it is called Living in the Days of Deception, D-A-Z-E. If you're walking by an airport bookstore, you'll see the words days. Uh, that will be most prominent. Uh, JackHibbs.com, uh, Calvary, CCH.org. Uh, the Real Life Network, Real Life Network, everybody, we're very excited about this because we were getting canceled during COVID, so we wound up creating our live streaming uh, programming 24-7, Real Life Network. It's free to the programmers, and it's free for the subscriber. It's free everywhere. Billy Graham, Chuck Smith, J. Vernon McGee, uh, teachers around America right now, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, Charles Stanley, so many others, and great Christian programming as well. And, uh, and it's just growing. It's only seven months old, but it has exploded. Real Life Network. And uh, Alex, I want to thank you for being so generous. Oh, well, thank you for your time. And th most importantly, thank you for what you're doing for God and country. You're, you're an example. I mean, you're a role model, and, and I commend you. Uh, I hope you have a great Christmas. Uh, quickly, uh, what will Calvary Chapel Chino Hills be doing in the next couple of weeks? Are you going to have some Christmas Eve, and will it be streamed online? Everything we do is streamed on live, yes. So the answer is yes to that. The other thing is, I started last Sunday, and it's going to go up to Christmas Eve, is I'm doing a series. It's more, Alex, believe it or not, on a, on a Sunday morning. It's more of an apologetics argument for Christmas, and it's called His Return. And mm -hmm. you might, people might find it quite surprising that when I unpack His Return, His Return is first found in Genesis 3.15, when after the fall in the Garden of Eden, God makes a promise that from the woman will come the seed that will crush the serpent's head. Amen. That's, that's the first Bible prophecy in the Bible, and it's the first soteriology verse in the Bible, salvation verse in the Bible. And it's a Christmas verse, Genesis 3. So I'm going to do, I'm doing a series on that, and uh, we're pretty excited because I'm diving in and kind of shaking it up. It's kind of, a, it's kind of an apologetics, uh, engaging their intellect with the Bible, and so they can go to their family events and really bring some truth that is uh, shaking to the core. That's Wonderful. our hope. We, we got a break. Merry Christmas, my friend. I look forward to when you and I can talk again soon. Merry Christmas, With Alex. Thank you so much. You have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. 
Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland here, and I'm so honored that you're watching and listening. Here's the number. I'd love to hear from you. If you've got a Bible question, cultural comment, whatever, I'd love to hear from you. 719-619-2341. Hey, uh, I mentioned last time I was on about the heart of Christmas. We saw it over the weekend. It was amazing. But Christmas continues here at Karis and AWMI, the live nativity. And if you happen to be within uh, driving distance to come to Woodland Park, uh, you'll, you'll never forget it. It's just spectacular. It's December 15 through 17 at Karis Bible College. Begins every night at 6 p.m. No ticket required. We're just welcome for you to come and drive through. And yes, there are real live animals, camels and the live nativity. Bring a child. I mean, what a great opportunity to share what Christmas is and the Bethlehem manger and the coming of our Lord and the live nativity will be December 15, 16, 17 and free out chocolate. I mean, how great is that? Isn't that something? And then uh, January, now I can't believe I'm saying this, less than a month away, the Phoenix GTC, Gospel Truth Conference, uh, January of 24, January 4 through 6 at the Renaissance Phoenix Glendale Hotel and Spa. I was there a couple of years ago. I've been a couple of times. It's amazing. And you can learn about the GTC Global or Gospel Truth Conference at awmi.net, awmi.net. While we're talking about the great things God is doing through this amazing ministry, and it really is a miracle, what's going on on top of the mountain with Woodland Park, Colorado is a miracle. I was here last week teaching American exceptionalism. I'm here this week teaching a speech class, and it's my privilege to be in studio doing Truth and Liberty. So here's the thing. Go to truthandliberty.net slash donate, and you can be a part of what God is doing. We often talk about, you know, things are bad, and that's true. I mean, our world needs the gospel. Our nation needs to repent and turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be a part of it. You can partner with Truth and Liberty. And I'm going to ask you here in this fourth quarter of 2023 to give the best gift you can give as God leads you. And maybe you just want to pray and say, Lord, how can I support Truth and Liberty? Go to the website, truthandliberty.net slash donate. Now, if you give at least $5 a month, you'll be a partner. But I'm going to ask you to do more than that. And whatever you donate. We, we thank God for you. But look, folks, I hope you can tell that we are not 
at the halfway effort. I mean, we're giving everything we've got to evangelize the lost, equip the saved, to make a difference for Christ. And like Pastor Jack Hibbs said, to know our God and be strong and do exploits. That's Daniel 11:32. Well, maybe the first uh, kind of step into the fray of being a world changer for Jesus, God's leading you to donate and to financially support and pray for what we're doing and be a part of it. Do that, won't you? Please know that we're grateful. And together, Together, we can make a difference in calling our nation back to Christ. Well, the number, 719-619-2341. We've got some questions that have come in on chat and online. And first from Australia. I'm very honored we have uh, viewers in Australia. Somebody uh, on chat from Down Under says, quote, how can we become world changers? That's a good question, isn't it? Because, look, the Bible says this in John 15, 5. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Isn't that something? Apart from Christ. But in Christ, we can do all things. All right, let me give you some more scriptures. It's about being a world changer. The Bible says the flesh profits nothing. Now, we can't reform ourselves. We can't change the world, just humanly speaking. But you know what? John 15 and 16, three times, it says when we pray in Jesus' name, the things that are His will, He will do it. Let me say, your unsaved prodigal child, it is God's will that they get born again. And come back to Jesus. Your friend that's addicted to drugs or in a toxic relationship or sick, it is God's will that they be set free. And so one of the ways to our Australian friend, to the question, we become world changers, that we pray in Jesus' name the things that are His will. It is God's will for marriages to be restored. It is God's will that the gospel go forth. And so we change the world when we start taking God at his word. Now, do you know, let me give you three verses from Philippians. Philippians 1 verse 6, be confident of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it under the day of Jesus Christ. So the good work in you begins at the moment of salvation. And God will work in you, God will work on you, God will work through you. And here's a couple of more, Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Isn't that something? I can do all things. Well, how about getting back in church? That's a thing. You can do it through Jesus. How about forgiving that person that you feel like hurt you so many years ago? And you're just spinning your wheels, time is ticking away, and you're wound up in an emotional pain from years back. Don't you wish you could be set free? It can begin today. And that's a thing. You can do that through Christ. How about Philippians 4, 19, that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Isn't that something? What is your need today? Is it courage like we talked about? Is it a financial need? Is it a, a health need, healing and restoration? Look, I, I know being in ministry 30 years, family members, friends, acquaintances, God is the healer. 
Now, maybe you have procrastinated. Now, listen carefully, because there, we could talk about a lot of things that are the barriers between God's full work in your life and you. But one of the biggest uh, problems, for lack of a better word, is procrastination. And people saying, you know, well, God uses somebody else, but not me. No, believe. Believe that he wants to use you. So you can do all things through Christ. He will supply every need. And my Australian friend, let me say, you're going to look up one day and you're going to realize that Jesus used me. Now, uh, you know, every now and then people will say things like this. They'll say, oh, Alex, you came to my city and I got saved. And, and I'm always quick to say, well, give God the glory. Look, Lord knows it's not me, it's Jesus. But let's be honest, folks. The, the eternal God works through people. And God wants to work through you to do things that really do count for eternity. You, you have no idea, as Pastor Jack and I said at the beginning of the program, more hangs on your obedience than you could possibly imagine. So believe God. Take life one day at a time, every day, believe God for great things and great things will come. They really, really will. We've got another uh, question. How did COVID affect Alex McFarland Ministries? That's a great question. How did COVID affect me? Well, let me tell you, uh, in a great way, 38 conferences were on the calendar. Okay, I had like 38 uh, places I was going to speak. I mean, I had a year of ministry uh, at 2020. When February of 2020 began, my year was planned out. When F February of 2020 ended, my calendar was empty. But guess what happened in, in a great way? It, now, our ministries continue. We do radio, we do television, we write books, a lot of things. But I got a call from Andrew. I was driving my car on a COVID day. I mean, I was on Interstate 40 near Raleigh, North Carolina. The highway was empty. It was the middle of the day on a work day. And there's like nobody out because it's COVID and the world ground to a stop. And my phone rang and it was Andrew Womack. And he said, Alex, let's do some worldview teaching. Let's do some content and uh, let's get on the phone and plan some things. And COVID, in a way, was a godsend because so much of my life and my bandwidth, shall we say, got invested in Karis Bible College and Andrew Womack Ministries. Now, Alex McFarland Ministries continues. Let me give you a website, equipretreat.org. Equipretreat.org. What is that? That's our seven summer camps. And they're for middle school and high schoolers. Equipretreat.org. And we do summer camps. We see hundreds of kids uh, born again. They trust Christ. Then we teach them about how to defend the Christian faith, how to stand strong. We help them start a viral truth club. So we've got this world and I'm, I'm so blessed. You know, we've, I, I talk about the Truth and Liberty staff. Well, Alex McFarland Ministries, Truth for a New Generation, Viral Truth, Exploring the Word, all those machines have very faithful, godly people running them. Uh, and in fact, the website, alexmcfarland.com, it's going to get a, a freshening up in the first quarter of the new year. And there's going to be a lot of question and answer. But thanks for asking. Um, and uh, what an adventure God's enabled me to be on. Thanks for caring.
Somebody asked, which ministries are your biggest inspirations? Well, thanks for that question. And by the way, if you want to call in, lines are open. You will get through 719-619-2341. Well, you know what? I mean, the, the biggest inspiration and the thing that drives my heart is the Word of God. And I'm, I'm not just trying to sound spiritual, but um, I read the Bible every day. And I, I want that living word to be in my heart and my soul. And, and you know, it's amazing, folks. You can experience this. This is uncanny, but it's real. In John 14, 26 and 27, uh, Jesus promised his disciples that they would be his appointed messengers. And people ask, how did the New Testament come about? Well, Jesus told the disciples, the Holy Spirit will remind you of all things whatsoever I have told you. Is that something? Okay. I will tell you what inspires me and what drives me is the way that the Spirit of the living God will call up to my remembrance things that I've read. I've read the Word and I'm out ministering and just going to the grocery store and I meet people and... It's like God reminds me of Bible verses, and that can happen to you as well. Because 1 John 2.27, the spirit that abides in you remains and will teach you all things. Isn't that awesome? The spirit of God that drew you to Jesus, indwelt you, regenerated, you were dead. The spirit of God made you alive. Spirit of God seals you. That's Ephesians 4.30. Well, 1 John 2.27 Claim this for yourself. The spirit that abides in you remains and will teach you all things. It goes on. It says you need not that any man teach you. But as that same anointing teaches you all things and is truth. See, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and is no lie. And even as the spirit has taught you, you shall abide in him. Now, Somebody, re we had a caller once who said, well, 1 John 2.27 says, you need not that any man teach you. So why do we have preachers? Well, let's balance this out. Ephesians 4.11 and 12 says that God gave to the church pastors, teachers, and evangelists for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So, you know, thank God for those that are anointed teachers and pastors and evangelists. But what the 1 John 2.27 was saying is, you can study the Word on your own. The very same Spirit of God that gave these words will open your mind and teach you these words. And I can prove it because Psalm 119 verse 18, open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Isn't that wonderful? Now, uh, what 1 John 2.27 is saying is, you don't have to go through uh, a pope or, you know, some gatekeeper. You can read the Bible for yourself. That's why one of the great cries of the Reformation 500 years ago, actually 516 years ago, it began, uh, was sola scriptura. And they, they would talk about the priesthood of the believer. Now, thank God for pastors. Thank God for teachers, but also thank God that you, as a born-again child of the King, you can open the book and you can read it for yourself. Now, we've got calls, but let me say one last thing. You open the Bible and you, you say, well, gee, you know, I, I don't even know how to read the Bible. Well, then pray this prayer. 
Pray Psalm 119.18, Lord, open my eyes that I behold wonderful things from your word. If you ask God to open your eyes and let you comprehend and discern the word of God, he will do it. He'll do it. There's so much more I could say. We're going to go to some calls. Uh, Randall in Colorado. Randall is a subscriber and a student. Thank you for holding. And Randall, welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you, Alex. You are a gift to the body. Well, to God be the glory. Uh, you're a gift to Truth and Liberty. Thanks for listening and calling. Uh, what, what is your question, Randall? My question is, what is the difference between an ordained minister of the gospel and a licensed minister of the gospel? Well, that's a great question. You know, uh, when I was ordained, uh, there was an ordination ceremony. And let me say this, different churches and even different denominations have different protocols. But uh, when I was ordained, I had been a witness for the gospel and I'd been serving and in a lot of ways, folks, my work for the Lord didn't change. Uh, and so, you know, at an ordination service, very often, if there are any other pastors or ministers in the audience, they'll come through and lay hands and pray over you. And this old pastor from Kentucky whispered in my ear, and he said, you know, ordination is just laying dirty hands on an empty head. And I was knelt down there and had to refrain from laughing. But here, here's the thing. Every Christian is ordained. Now, ordained is an ancient word that means called forth and equipped. So listen to this, Randall, and everybody watching. If you're a born-again believer, in many ways, you are ordained to the ministry. You are. Now, in church history, if you look from the book of Acts, what they would do, they would lay hands and pray over disciples and send them forth. What ordination means, and I'm going to get to licensure, but um, there are spiritual and, and even legal implications in this regard. From a spiritual perspective, what uh, a church or perhaps denomination is saying is, look, we've examined this candidate. Very often if a, a person has been through school, like Karis, or been through a, a good school, the ordinand, and the, that word ordinand means the person who's being, you know, vetted out to be ordained. They'll ask you, what is your doctrine? What, what are you going to teach? And tell us your salvation experience. And why do you feel like you're called to the ministry? Now, there were times when the church was really, really, really scripturally careful. They didn't ordain just anybody. I, I've heard old men tell me, they'll say, you know, I was examined and they, they refused to ordain me but I kept on ministering and later on they would. Nowadays, sadly, not all, but many churches, they don't have the scrutiny that they ought to. Let me, and let me just say this, folks, if your church is looking at ordaining uh, a young person, you ask them, what do you believe about the nature of marriage? What do you believe about homosexuality? Um, read me 1 Corinthians 6, and tell me if that is still true today. Uh, and so I think we need to be very scrupulous and who we ordain. Now, the caller asked about licensure. 
Uh, let, let me just say this. In some circles, like in, in many Baptist churches, to be licensed to the ministry is kind of a, a step that precedes ordination. Because generally, not always, and by the way, I'm going to give a little bit of IRS info here. So let's say somebody is serving and they get asked to be a deacon or an elder. And, and that's almost like another step of accountability. You know, we're going to find out if you really know your stuff and uh, we're going to license you to the ministry. And very often churches, if someone is licensed, they're, they're, maybe they're preaching, maybe they're performing the functions of a full-time minister, but they're not full-time in vocational ministry. Now, listen carefully, folks. Every Christian is to minister. Some are called to full-time vocational ministry. Maybe somebody right now is listening, and, and there's a call on your life, not just to be a disciple, that's wonderful, not just to be a witness, that's wonderful, but maybe God is calling you to the ministry full-time. Now, I can almost hear it. You're saying, but Alex... At my age, listen, I helped a 74-year-old man get ordained to the ministry. He went to Bible college. Uh, he got some equipping and some instruction. 74, got ordained. He had had a long career in the business world. And at 74, became a pastor. Praise God. Look, for the people in God's world, uh, age doesn't mean anything. So don't, don't say Oh, I couldn't do that at my age. Yes, you can. Uh, your age doesn't mean a thing. So people get licensed. But then full ordination generally is like if you're in full-time vocational ministry. But, but I understand we don't need the permission of man to preach the gospel. But um, the Internal Revenue Service, uh, and I'll just say this, and I'm not an accountant. I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just telling you how the tax code works a little bit. The, the IRS will put out a bulletin. It's, it's as thick as the New York City phone book, and it's called clergy tax. And if you are an ordained minister, in other words, a sanctioning body has recognized you like a church or denomination, and they, they say, do you perform sacerdotal duties on a weekly basis? Now, what does that mean? What it means is that on a weekly basis, you're doing the things of ministry. Now, maybe you're preaching in a church, teaching Sunday school, leading a Bible study in a nursing home, doing a jail ministry, baptizing. But then you can, and I would advise you to get a good CPA, if you're in full-time ministry, there are tax advantages. Now, somebody said to me, he said, oh, Alex, you're trying to pay less tax and have more money? Uh, yeah, you betcha. Why? Uh, because if I can legally, ethically use the tax code as a minister or ministry, if I can use the tax code legally to our advantage, have more money with which to serve Jesus, well, that's just good stewardship. So do your homework and find out God's call on your life and follow that, Randall. I, what a great call. 719 619 three, four, one. Somebody writes in and says, uh, if I can do all things through Christ, why do most of my prayers seem unanswered? Well, hey, I, I, I feel your pain. I understand that. But let me just say, uh, 
what we think. God didn't answer my prayer. No, he did. Maybe God said, uh, wait for something better. Or maybe God is working on a timetable that you and I simply don't know. But let me say this. If you're praying for something, trust God and keep on trusting God. Because I've seen in my life and I've been, I've been saved 35 years and been serving God 99% of that journey. I've seen God answer prayers that I, frankly, there were times I thought, well, I guess I'm just not going to, not going to hear that one answered. And then God comes through. So believe me, saint of God, the Lord hasn't abandoned you. And it's not that God isn't listening. Now, if you're a Christian, you keep on praying, you keep on believing, you keep on trusting. Guarantee it might be a little ways down the road, but God has something for you. God has an answer to your prayer better than anything you've ever dreamed. I assure you of that. All right. What is causing the men in America to have no confidence? That is a great question. You know what? Um, there has been for 50 years an attack on masculinity. Now, the men in America have no confidence. The, uh, the online person doesn't say confidence in what? I, I, I don't know. But let me say this. Um, we need males to be men. Uh, we need women to be women. You know, uh, femininity is best carried out by the females. Masculinity is best carried out by the males. And nowadays, uh, the left, to try to get people to be fearful, they'll use the phrase alpha male or toxic male. Now, we're not talking about being a bully. We're not talking about being, you know, arrogant or certainly not abusive, but a, a gentleman and a man of God who is confident, not, not bossy, not cocky, but confident. And we have courage. And let me just say this. Uh, listen carefully, folks, as time fleets away. We're going to go back uh, to 200 B.C., Plato. You've heard of the Greek scholar Plato, right? Well, Plato would often teach lessons by writing these conversations between people. They're called dialogues, Plato's dialogues. He didn't write them, but he taught them. And there is a dialogue between a couple of guys that are walking to see a boxing match, right? And, and this dialogue is called Lakeys. Now, it's spelled like latches, L-A-C-H-E-S. It's not pronounced latches. It's pronounced lakeys. Now, you'll see why I'm telling you this. So these guys, and Plato's trying to teach a lesson, brilliant scholar, uh, Greek philosopher. And these guys are going to a boxing match, right? And somebody says, well, I guess those boxers have a lot of courage to get in the ring and fight each other. And Plato, and this is 2,000 years ago, he says, well, I don't know if it's courage. I don't know how smart it is to get in a ring and let somebody, you know, beat your brains out. So the question is, what is courage? And this relates to the men in America because men, we need godly males who have courage. So Plato has these two characters, Lakeys is one of them, asking, what is courage? And so he says, well, maybe it's this or that. Let me ask you, what is courage? How would you define it? Somebody says, what is courage? Um, maybe jumping in the water to rescue a drowning child. 
That's courage, right? How about standing up for the truth when the truth is under attack? Takes courage, doesn't it? There are a lot of examples. Running in a burning house to rescue somebody who's trapped. Uh, you know, maybe standing between two people and not letting the bully abuse the weaker person. But I want you to think about Plato's definition, because here we are in 2023, and, and it boils down to this. And the Word of God would affirm this. Here's what courage is, according to some of the wisest people that have ever lived. And we need this in the men of today. Confidence, boldness. Courage is knowing the right thing to do and being willing to do it. You think about that. Courage is knowing the right thing to do and being willing to do it. Now, now, no doubt, the vast majority of people, they know the right thing to do. We know we need to pray. We know we need to be a witness. We know that we should vote and we should influence others. And I want to say this, look, uh, when it comes election time, we need to be engaged. We are a witness. Do you know the Greek word witness is the word, guess what? Martyr. Is that something? Now, I hope that you're never martyred for the faith. You know, I, heaven forbid, I, we don't want you to be executed for being a Christian. But no, in a sense, maybe we do need to be martyred, at least like this. Listen, maybe you need to die to your procrastination. You need to die to your fear. You need to die to your silence and disobedience. The world is under demonic delusion. I mean, fill in the blank. It's like there's so much going on. Where do I even begin? So it's time that we die to our prayerlessness. We die to our lack of reading God's word. We die to our uninvolvement. And we have the confidence and the courage that we know the right thing to do and we are willing to do it. And that, that includes standing up for America. That includes honoring the Lord with thy substance. That means you're giving. And look, folks, I promise you, I've been on a 35-year wild ride, an adventure, walking with Jesus. He gave me a Christian wife. He sent us around the world. He's provided. Angie and I, uh, we had $58 and the shirt on our back. Seriously. And, and making under $10,000 a year. And here we are now, 30 years later, circled the globe, been in front of hundreds of thousands of people, and God is using us. I give him the, the praise. God wants to use you. So get that courage, have that obedience, stand strong for Christ. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.